Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good. Better since you sent your barber over to me to fix me up a little bit. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. Yeah, you look great. Thank you for flying yeah. him in. And, uh, Happy to do it. I appreciate it. And you, He did a great job. He's kind of like you. He travels now with uh, a, a little bit of an entourage. He brings... He he brings somebody to shampoo. I didn't need all that. <laughs> you know, Ken, I, I appreciate yep. the hell out of you, but I didn't need the shampoo and then he had a guy come in to with with a little broom to sweep up the hair. <laughs> My wife appreciated it, said yeah, she said, You know that Ken, he really does know how to do things. He he, he does them at a high level. Um so, yeah. so thank you for that. No, my pleasure. I can I brag for a minute about yes. my son? Yes. My uh my my middle guy, he's eight, he's about to be nine. He's uh, plays little plays little league. This is the first year that the kids pitch versus the coach or the pitching machine. And um he his team his team was playing in the finals, the championship game at the local Nashville Little League. And um you know, they were up by maybe two, three runs in the bottom in the bottom of the next to the last inning two outs bases loaded for the other team they brought him in to pitch today i could have had a panic attack i would have rather got in a cage and fight a lion than to watch this i was like oh god please please let him do well struck out the guy got out of the gym and then i was like okay good he's gonna maybe they'll put in another pitcher you want him? i want him to do good but i get so nervous for him because like this is like such a this is like the biggest moment he's been in in sports and it's pressure so he goes out to pitch the bottom of the last inning First guy grounds out, and the next two guys he struck out. I, It was as close to crying as I've ever come at a sporting event. I was just like, oh, my, thank you, God, thank you. And the kids were chanting his name, and he was the level of pride on his face because he's not like a very supremely confident kid. He's just a normal little kid. So to see him get out of that situation and be like kind of like the hero of the moment, oh, my God, I'm st we're still on a high from it. We were so proud Nothing of him, so happy. Nothing better than seeing your kids uh, happy and obviously excelling, but most importantly that they're, that they're happy and that they're, they're appreciated for for what they do. It it, it builds confidence. It, it it's so important and uh, so important to a parent knowing that yeah. they they are they are going to feel good about themselves after such an experience. And I was so proud of this, all of his siblings because all my other kids, they were genuinely so happy for him and jumping around and jumping on him when he came home. Oh, it was so nice. It was, whew. I just didn't want to have to give him the talk of, hey, buddy, you win some, you lose some. We dust ourselves off, we come back. It's so much better to be like, you did it, man. You showed up when the pressure was on and you did it. I had already, I'd already prepared myself to give him the speech of like, that's all right, it's just a game. Don't worry about is it. We'll he come lefty back or righty? Is he a, is he he's a lefty? Oh my lefty. god, he's gonna make a lot of money, Ken. Be a lefty pitcher. <laughs> There's a big market so. for lefty pitchers. Big. I hope so. Big I'm just so happy to see him be happy. It was oh, it was great. Now you opened the door for me to do just a tiny bit. I'll, I'll make it short. A bit of bragging. I mean, I got to go back a lot of years. Uh, my son Teddy. Uh, the third has uh, got a birthday coming up at the end of this month. So uh, he's far from what I'm about to describe. He's many years removed from that, but he was a little kid, a little leaguer. I, I don't remember how old he was, but whatever little leaguers were back then, you know, 10, 11, 9, whatever. And 
it was they had won a game that was had towards the end of the season and they won a game they had to to uh to be tied for the division lead and it created the next day it created a playoff game to get into to win the division you know to win the division and be into the playoffs so they picked him to pitch that game on you know the next day they noticed and it was in the morning it was a morning game and I remember, you know, like you're describing how nervous I was, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, getting there with them early and all that stuff and, you know, watching them warm up. And uh, tell me if your kid was this way too, the seriousness that just naturally kind of, kind of, he he took on. Like not not anything where you saw, you know, nervous or this but just a seriousness a quietness where yep. he, he was to himself <laughs> he knew he knew what was 10 years old but he knew what was in front of him what the pressure was what to drop the you know and i at that point tried to leave him alone of course the coach was one of those maniacs uh nice guy <laughs> nice guy don't get me wrong most of those coaches are good guys they they give their time for nothing to the kids so yep. they're good guys but he was like now we we need this you know we need you know like you know just to reminded him like how important the game was but he goes out there and again you just have to trust my character i hope uh that you know that this would not be made up just to stay on pace with the great Ken Rideout's family. Um, <laughs> he threw a one-hitter. He threw a one-hitter. And obviously it was against a good team because, you know, they were tied yep. for first place. And yep. uh, they had to get And I remember what you just described. Everybody throwing their gloves in the air, <laughs> all these kids. Yep. Like, you know, like everything they had seen on TV. Uh, yeah. rushing the mound, jumping on them, you know, all that stuff. And yeah. uh, it's it just such a just such a proud moment. And uh, you just brought me back to that. So thank you for that. And the one thing I add to it is it's a reminder of, I know sometimes the pro athletes, I love Charles Barkley, he's one of my favorites. And I know that some of them have said sometimes, I'm not a role model. I understand them saying that, and they want their they want their own life, and they don't want to be attached to the responsibility of how their life may, you know, in some way influence someone else's child. But like it or not, people are in the eye, in the you know, in the public eye, in sports, and whatever it may be. Uh, to that point, you're going to be seen. As a role model, you're gonna you're you're gonna be emulated. You're, people are gonna emulate what you do. Kids, kids are that way. They they're that way. My little two year old granddaughter, she repeats everything that she hears, everything, verbatim, <laughs> like a little parrot, cutest little parrot you ever saw, and and everything her brother says, and that's what kids do. So when these kids, where did that celebration come from? Simple magical you know uh pure thing like throwing the gloves in the air jumping on it came from what they had seen their their heroes do 
you know, yep. what, what, what they had seen the Mets, the Yankees, the, you know, uh, whatever. What, what they had seen done. So they emulated it. They, they copied it. So whether we like to or not, we need to acknowledge as grown-ups, as parents, just as people that care about our environment, care about our communities, our neighborhoods. We need to understand that kids, whether you're a little league coach, whether you're a teacher, whether, whether you're a parent, whether you're an uncle, whether you're a neighbor that, that might be helping kids, kids will look at what you do and they will emulate you in many, many, many cases. So it does matter how you act, what you do in front of kids, whether you lose your temper and you get crazy and you're, and you're cursing everyone out and you're ready to go. It does matter because in many cases, kids will duplicate that. So I just thought we always try to connect life on our shows here when we can, when we think it's appropriate. So thanks for telling. Tell your, tell your son congratulations to the next Bob Gibson and Sandy Koufax. <laughs> uh, you know, tell him congrats. Uh, I'm, and I'm glad he's a lefty because he's going to make a lot of money. Well, you know what he said to me when, when he did it last night? I was talking. I was like, man, I'm so proud of you just because you did your best. And he said, are you going to talk about it on the show with Teddy? I said, do you want me to? He's like, yeah, that would be cool. And you know, another <laughs> thing, it, it is cool. And, and one other thing, whether it's sports or whether it's a science fair or whether whatever the heck it is, whatever. But what it does is it teaches. Teaching starts at an early age. Sometimes yep. we don't even realize it. It teaches kids they can depend on themselves. Yes. It does. It, it really does. It teaches kids that not only they can win, but it teaches them that they can handle things. Yeah. And, and that can be built on. And that should be built on. And that's where the parents come in, to responsibly build on that. Like, yep. like you would build a house and go from the first floor to the second floor. And when the yep. second floor is secure, maybe you go to the third floor. So, anyway, that's I, well. I got what I got. One since you brought up Charles Barkley, I'll tell you one more. I know, I know, this one's going to get a lot of attention. So I was in New York, and I went to Saturday night. Uh, sorry, fr Thursday or Friday night with um, my friend Eve Schulman, who's the host of Catfish on MTV. He said to me, "Hey, you want to come to a party with me tonight?" I had a customer dinner with some work clients, and I said, "Yeah, all right, I'll meet you there." Well, he didn't tell me it was the Sports Illustrated swimsuit like private launch party of this thing. No, I'm not joking. So I get there. There's the New York Liberty female players are there. They're just stunningly beautiful girls that are in the magazine. The cover girl Yumi Uni is there. Did they and, recognize uh, you? Did they recognize you? Yes, they. No, did. but no, yes, they, they recognized my friend Neve from Catfish, and they came running over and I go, Neve, I think these girls think I'm on catfish too because they're being way too nice to me. And he started laughing. And you didn't, you didn't explain to him that you won, right? No, of course not. No. I was like, hey, what's up, girls? <laughs> so, but here's the best. So I see uh, Julian Edelman, who I've met a couple of times in passing, and I go over and we're chit-chatting and I said, listen, I hate to do this, but my kids love Brady, Gronk, and Edelman. They love them. 
and they've never met them. And I was like, do you mind if we take a picture? He's like, a picture? Give me that phone. Maybe Rob can put the video in here. I sent him the text. So Julian Edelman takes my phone and he yells to my boys, Jack, Jack Cameron, Cameron and, Luke, and Luke, I'm here with your pops. Here with your pops. I heard you guys are a bunch of Boston kids. Let's go. My kids, it, you, they could have died the next day. It was the greatest thing they'd ever seen. They were like, Dad, can we please bring a phone to school to show our friends? And I was like, man, Julian, you like have no idea what an impact you made on these kids. They now think that I'm like the coolest dad under the sun. Of course, their next question was like, can you have Brady send us one too? <laughs> I was like, I'll work on that. But uh, shout out to Julian Edelman, big fight fan. I told him maybe someday we'll have him on the show to help break down some big fights. Well, of course we could have him <laughs> on. That would be great. I I know one thing. Your kids, uh, uh, they they have to love this podcast then. They have the, <laughs> love it, love the, the light that it has brought to their father and to them. And uh, matter of fact, yep. we got to get them in the studio. Uh, if you ever have a <laughs> sick day, you know. That you well, their last day of school is Wednesday. So I'm going to have them uh, hiding in the basement for the next 12 weeks while we record. Because they know when we're recording, they try to stay quiet and stay out of the way. Well, if you ever have a sick day that they can step in and replace you. I, for I'm, sure. I'm not going to stop that from happening. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, that, that would be... That would be great. Uh, you know, you remind me when you met the Sports Illustrated, they all thought you were part of Catfish or whatever. MTV. Uh, MTV, Catfish. Uh, I have Catfish. I think of Catfish Hunter. But um, there was a commercial years ago. I think it was a Bud Light commercial where the guy came into a to a party, you know, a big shot party, like the parties you go to and that, you know, we're talking about right now. And... He he went into a party, and the guy, one of the girls, came up to him and said, "Are you the director of you know so and so with you know Star Wars or this or that you know whatever the hell it was?" And he's thinking for a second about you know telling the truth, and then he says, "I am. Yes, I am." Yes, I am. (laughs) Yes, I am. How about the fights? Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, One of my favorite fighters right now, David Benavidez, looked every bit the superstar that I think he is. We talked about it in the preview that I hope they have medics on standby because Lemieux's great, but he comes forward and he gets hit. And my God, did Benavidez hit him, had him down in the first, the second, finally stopped him in the third. Thank God the ref stopped it. The ref said he was going to stop in, jump in and stop it at the end of the first. As I mean, he he had, Benavidez was just unloading punches. I think he hit him with like 15 left hooks in a row without throwing a right. He just had him on Queer Street. And, and right as the bell rung, the ref jumped in. He said he was going to stop it. But since the bell rang, he's like, all right, I'm going to give him another chance. And um, it didn't do him any favors because the second round was... I, I can't even believe Ben Lemieux survived the second round. He was putting it on him that bad. But um, Mauro Ranallo for Showtime said it perfectly. Too big, too strong, too good. He just... Benavidez looked like he was in a different weight class, maybe even two weight classes bigger. He looked humongous. His hands were so fast. But I'm dying to hear what you thought about the performance and what you think about how Benavidez looked in that fight. Well, a couple of things to jump into where you just left it open for me. First of all, I would have... Uh, what Moro said, it obviously, is the obvious. It's correct. Uh, and it's part of the explanation. You could also go with the other side with Lemieux 
too old, too many miles on the odometer, too small, you know, yep. uh, too Very easy true. to hit. See, I get to yep. the most important in my business only because <laughs> that's my business. I mean, that's how I made a living. That's what I aspired to be uh, since I'm a teenager, uh, a fighter, and then, of course, a trainer, a broadcaster. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be able to do that, but I, it, it goes back to the most simplistic, most important part of my business, of this business, of the hurt business. You can't be that easy to hit. And so you could start right there. Color that box. He's just too easy to hit. Uh, whether he's small, whether he's large, whether he's a middleweight, whether he's moved up to, you know, super middle, uh, whether he, obviously part of that being too easy to hit is because of the miles on his odometer, whatever, his style, his teaching, his lack of teaching, his technique, his lack of technique, whatever. Just, yeah, too small, too many miles, but too damn easy to hit. And, um, you know, even you are what you are. Floyd Mayweather had an exhibition in um, Abu Dhabi, I believe, right, uh, over the weekend. We're not going to get into that much more than the point I'm making here. And he's still hard to hit. That's why it, at the age that he is, what is he, 46, 45, uh, whatever he is now, he's, well, he's, you know, he's making money, millions of dollars off his name, but God bless him. And he's picking his opponents, you know, it was it was like a spawn session, even a controlled spawn session, to be quite frank. Because if you had that guy in camp with you, you'd probably send him home at some point, maybe be good for the first two weeks. But after that, uh, you, you, you would say, well, he's not going to get us ready. We, we need to be pushed. A little bit more, so you probably upgraded a little bit. And I'm not knocking the guy. The guy was also in his 40s. Uh, you'll get the name. Robert give you a name, so we should do that. Give the name out there. But, uh, you know, he was also in his 40s. He was undefeated. He had a draw, but he hadn't fought anyone, obviously. And he got a payday. Um, and look, no knock on him. Uh, he's fought Floyd Mayweather now. God bless him. But, you know, Floyd, even at this Again, a hand-picked guy, but even at this point... guy's name was Don Moore. Yeah, Don Moore. Even at in this Dubai. point... In Dubai. Even at this point in his career, you are what you are. Floyd is so hard to hit. Lemieux was what he is, and that's part of why they picked him. And that's why it could never be a competitive fight. You know, you whatever you want to say, there wasn't a second that was competitive in that fight. I mean, that was just a pure unadulterated beatdown. Hey guys, want to take a quick pause to give a thank you to today's sponsor, Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. Love this stuff. Take it every day. I credit Athletic Greens with keeping me healthy through multiple marathon training cycles. Um, you know, as some of you know, I've run faster every year for the last 15 years from 35 to 51. I've still got work to do this year to get a faster time in 2022. And I've got the Berlin Marathon and Chicago Marathon coming up in the fall. So you can bet your behind that I won't be missing a day of Athletic Greens. It's an insurance policy for my health and hu health 
an immunity system, especially with all the work travel that I do. It's important that you get all the nutrients, vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients that Athletic Greens provides, especially when you live in a hectic lifestyle. You're working a lot, you're training, you've got a lot of commitments. Whether you do or you don't, it's just emphasized when you do have all those commitments that you get all the nutrients that you need. Go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas to get 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. I love these travel packs. To me, they're invaluable. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Also like to give a shout out to one of my favorite running apparel brands, Wallaco, Way of Athletic, Way of Life Athletic Clothing Company, based in New York, founded by the great Terry White, Lacrosse Extraordinaire. This is a brand built by athletes for athletes. It really is good stuff. Their kind of patented signature move is they've got a waterproof pocket that fits your phone perfectly because let's face it, no one's going anywhere without their phones these days. So I love these shorts. I wear them in the summer. I wear them in the winter under tights. I have these Wallaco shorts on constantly. Go to wallaco.com. Use the promo code ATLAS and they'll give you 20% off whatever you like. Sweatpants, t-shirts, they've got it all. Love these guys. Terry White at Wallaco, doing it right. Wallaco.com, use the promo code ATLAS. Also, like to give a quick shout out to Botanic Tonics. You guys know this stuff. Feel free, it's called. It's a, um, I guess you could describe it as a euphoric botanical tonic based on the kava leaf. And, um, Listen, I take this stuff before my big workouts. I take it before races, whenever I need a pick-me-up. It's advertised as creating a euphoric feeling. I think it gives me a quick boost of energy, but I've also taken it when I've sat down to watch sports, and uh, it just makes me feel good. So check them out at Botanic Tonics. Uh, I believe it's BotanicTonics.com, but go to the show notes. They'll give you 40% off your purchase using the promo code ATLAS. A-T-L-A-S for 40% off your feel-free purchase, Botanic Tonics. The thing I say about Lemieux, and I tweeted this, was if you needed a definition of what it meant, that age-old saying where fighters say, I'm going to go out on my shield, that's what it means. People talk about it, but quite often they don't. That's what it means, that attitude, that toughness, that that kind of you know, unbelievable will to keep getting up and keep taking a beating and going out on your shield. That and then thank God that the corner acted responsibly and compassionately in the third when they stopped it. When they when they just got up and stopped it. Um because who knows how much longer, probably wouldn't have been much longer, he would have continued to behave that way as we want our fighters to behave. But those kind of fighters, Customato used to say to me, my mentor would say, Teddy, those guys need the right people around them to protect them from themselves. Some fighters don't. They're gonna make sure they don't get beat up. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna pull the ripcord. You know what I mean? They're they're, they're gonna pull it themselves and and uh and eject themselves out of danger. But these kind of guys, they do need the right people around them to protect them from themselves because of the attitude they have, because of the cold they have, because of the pride they have, because of the toughness that they obviously have. So my 
we want to always deliver the unabashed, unadulterated truth. Yeah, I like Benavides, like you said, but I, I'm going to say something and qualify it in a different way than you. And, and I should, from my position, where I come from, not just as a fan, as a person who makes a living in this business and been fortunate enough to do my whole life, is that he, Benavides, had a guy in there with him where he couldn't help but look good. So before I go gaga, you know, before I go gaga with, with you know, with drinking the Kool-Aid and going, oh, my God, Benefitas, you know, is the next, uh, you know, Bob Foster, Joe Lewis, uh, Marvin Hagler, you know. Uh, before I go crazy, which I know fans will because they're fans. They have the right to do that. They they feel that's their right. Okay, it's your right to, to go gaga. It's not my right, not as a professional commentator, that has to put it out there in the proper context. Yeah, he looked good. Damn right he looked good. Against the guy that was there to look good with, that was made to order for Benavides. Made to order for him. Just like you order a cheeseburger with medium, uh, medium well, with uh, tomatoes, few fried onions, you know, made to order. That's what this was. So I'm not saying don't like Benavides. I like him. Matter of fact, uh, before you maniacs out there start attacking me, you know, which (laughs) you're saying, uh, oh, he doesn't like Mexicans, something we like that ridiculous <laughs> like that no because i mean really so stupid before, but before you start doing that i'm the same guy that was saying that canelo cannot call himself the best 168 pounder until he fights benavides i said before the fights were made that he's going to destroy plant he's going to go right through saunders he's going to go through both they're made to order i'll say it again they were made to order for Canelo, Lemieux was made to order for Benavides. So before you start going out there and saying, oh, it's because they don't like Mexicans, I, uh, I, you know, you dodo birds. You know, uh, there's been a sighting of dodo birds. I asked Rob to put up a picture. I always <laughs> wanted, yeah, I always wanted to know what a dodo bird looked like. And so Rob promised me that he would get a picture up there and... We're going to make it a practice on this show that if you show any of the similar characteristics of a dodo bird, <laughs> you know, his beak, the, the nose, you know, anything, and, and the dodo stuff that can come out of some people's uh, mouths, if you show any of those characteristics, uh, you will... You there here it comes. Is. There's the dodo. Now, Ken, if we spot any of these <laughs> dodo birds, you know, around our show, we're going to ask them to sit on the sidelines. You know, we we would listen. We're we're allowed dodo birds, and but not until they sit out a little while, and they have a chance to think about some of the things that they say. I know they're fans, and you're allowed to be whatever you want, but you have to have some sense of responsibility, 
some the, a chance to control your emotion for a second and at least listen to what we're saying instead of just being a dodo bird. You know? So if we see anybody, they might be hiding it a little bit, putting glasses on so you don't see that beak or, you know, putting <laughs> on an overcoat so the feathers don't stick up, whatever. But if we have a feeling that you're a dodo bird, um, we're gonna, we might have you sit on the sidelines uh, for a little while uh, before you can come back. Uh, just, just to give it to, just like we do with kids where we give them a timeout. Take a timeout. Think about, we're not taking away your, your ability to, to have your beliefs and stuff, but just think about it. Think about it a little bit. Doesn't make us right all the time. But when we say things, we're saying it based on some form of experience, some form of, of, of proof of what, you know, what we can judge it against, uh, you know, uh, some opinion based on experience in the business. And at the end of the day, it's an educated opinion, but it's still an opinion. We just ask you to, you know, we we don't want to get overcome by dodo birds. So we just ask you to give it a little bit of thought. Uh, Rob will give you out a number later on that you can call uh, if you're on that list, and um, you can appeal. You can appeal the decision <laughs> on on our website. Uh, somebody, if no one answers to that hotline number that you get <laughs> just keep calling <laughs> just keep calling keep calling because you know the operators might just be overwhelmed with dodo bird calls yeah anyone who's out there thinking that we don't like a nationality or a race to the idiot who called me a racist on twitter like grow up dude do some homework and get informed that's so stupid if anything, we, we, we just try to give our opinion. If there is a black guy, a white guy, a Mexican guy that behaves badly and we point it out, it has nothing to do with the race. It has to do with that individual. And you know who we're going to fight with next? We're going to have problems with PETA. Is there, am I pronouncing that right? <laughs> PETA. PETA. Okay, People well, for that, ethical that, treatment of animals. That's the first problem. I pronounced that freaking uh, name wrong. <laughs> but we we'll, we'll have a problem with them. What do you have against dodo birds? <laughs> I don't really per se have a problem with dodo birds. I have a problem with dodo people who behave like dodo birds. How's that, yep. Peter? Peter? <laughs> so, I, I, getting back to the fight, I, again, he, he might become the greatest fighter ever, a better Venus. I don't know. But to go nuts right now after beating a guy you're supposed to beat what do you think the network uh, you think the promoter you think the the whole management team didn't put him there uh for him to obviously get this result they're building up better venus of course they did so to get this result with what they had in front of him a game game guy that gets hit with everything like the old times would say it gets insulted if you miss him you know it's it's harder to miss Lemuel than it is to hit him the old timers would would say that uh so bef again before you go and anoint him the the greatest that you've ever seen calm down a little bit now having said that 
Like I said, long time ago, I said Canelo cannot be called the best in that division. I don't care how many belts he has until he fights Benavides. I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see, uh, obviously Canelo might have to rematch with Bevo. He's the big moneymaker, Canelo. He's got options on who he can fight. Uh, if he doesn't go for the rematch, he could, you know, he, he could pick a spot wherever he wants to go. You know, when you're the cash cow in a business, you're the golden goose that lays the, the money eggs, the golden eggs. Uh, you know, you, you can pick who you want to fight. Uh, I would, I would love to see Canelo, uh, either fight Benavides. He does the rematch with Bevo. Fine. Uh, I don't want to see, just like I said about uh, other fighters on this program, when they get to the point where it, it's where you just know who's going to win, where it, it's no longer a challenge. Um, it's it's no longer a really a competition anymore. I don't want to see him fight those fights anymore. I don't want to see Benavides with these kind of guys. I know how big, I know how strong he is. Um, I want to see him fight other guys now you know i i wouldn't i wouldn't mind them fighting the 42 and 0 uh gilberto ramirez you know people forgot about Ooh, that that's guy. a oh that's a good one he's 43 and 0 actually now he was already super middleweight champ so we know he could probably come back down he went he moved up to light heavyweight uh gilberto ramirez so i'd like to see him fight him or as I said, you know, let him fight. You know, if, if not, if not, uh, if not Canelo uh, or the winner of Canelo Bevo, if they fight, let him fight the winner of Joe Smith and Better BF. Uh, you know, he's he's only twenty five years old. Uh, Better Venus, he could move up to light heavyweight. I just don't want to waste time down into super middleweight. There's no, he's cleaned it out. The, what about Caleb Plant? What about Caleb Plant? Or even no, Saunders? no, no, please. Because the same thing, I if I could tell you before the fight, him and Saunders were going to get knocked out, which I did, were going to get knocked out by Canelo, then I could tell you the same thing what's going to happen with Benavides. They're not strong enough. They're not equipped uh, to be able to deal with a guy of Benavides' abilities, size, strength, Everything that he brings into the ring, it's not competitive. So, like I said, I, I only want to see the fights that I mentioned. Um, I'll tell you, I will also mention a fight that I think that will probably, probably a, a lot of people would kind of react to me mentioning this fight. Um, and that would be if they could get Demetrius Andrade, now a lot of people are going to be shocked I'm saying this, but I'm going to say things that are going to shock people once in a while because I'm going to go outside the realm and outside the boundaries where he's a middleweight, undefeated middleweight, been undefeated for a long time, uh, champion. He gets very little attention you know, doesn't make the huge money. These other his style's boring. His style's not electric. He's undefeated. He was an Olympian, but he knows how to fight. Yes, he's a defensive-minded uh, guy in certain ways. 
He's long, he's tall, he's got the kind of body that could go, the frame, that could go up to super middleweight, and he's always complaining he doesn't get the big fight. So here's a way to get the big fight. For him to fight better Vaders. Now again, because he's got the frame to go up, I, I wouldn't say it otherwise. And because his skill level, he's undefeated. Here's what he doesn't bring. He doesn't bring the name the name's value. He, he Benavides won't do it because he's not gonna make big money with this guy because nobody's clamoring at the gates to see Andre, uh Demetrius Andre uh Andretti what's it, Andre Andretti? Uh, Andre Nobody's clamoring to you know, to get to the window to buy a ticket to see him. I, I think I explained that properly and fairly. But it would be interesting for the boxing aficionado, uh, for the you know for the inside boxing guy uh, that likes is curious about matchups to see that you know he's always complaining about not getting a fight. He could get the big fight, and you could see how good he is. You could find out how good he is, not just how boring he is, but is he good <laughs> enough with that boring style to be able to frustrate. A big, strong Benavides. Maybe Benavides could come down to 164. But again, there's there's no reason for Benavides and his people to make this because at the end of the day, they're not going to get rich fighting this guy. Nobody cares. And number two, only the boxing insiders might care. And that's why I bring it up. And it's a lose-lose proposition for Benavides because if he beats him, the guy was too small. And if he struggles with him, it looks bad for him that a little guy, they're going to call him a little guy, you know, uh, took a, some the, took a little bit of the shine off of the guy that is shining right now. That, that all the fans out there, like I said earlier, are going to be looking to anoint the greatest of all time. And again, it's just not fair to do that until he gets tested, until he's in there with somebody that you can get a, a real barometer you're not getting that from Lemieux, who's that easy to hit. I'm sorry. I know he's a game son of a gun. Uh, and I'd like to see him get a $50,000 bonus. I, I'd like to see these promoters in boxing take a page out of Dana White's book. And when when it's a great fight or when he, they show great, great fortitude and heart to the level that Lemieux did, give him a $50,000 bonus. You know, uh, I, I would love to see that practice. I know it's not my money. I know, but I, I'd still like to see it. Um, and if it was my money and I was in that position to have that money to be promoting, the, I would do it. You just have to trust me on that. But I would do it. So anyway, to the pure analysis of the fight, uh, here's the thing for Benavides that still has to happen. Yeah, he's got to be in there with that opponent that can truly show you what he really is versus what we think he is. Big difference. He needs that opponent. Yeah, that dance partner. But what I like about him, for the people that think I knocked him, I'm not knocking him. I... I'm the first one to say that Canelo can't be considered the best 68-pounder, 168-pounder until he fights him. So I'm not knocking him. 
And I'm not just saying he's only big and strong. He's gotten better. He's gotten better. He's developed. He's gotten a little more. He's gotten a little more finesse to him. A little bit more. He's developed better. Where before he was more raw. He was just a big, wiry, um, good puncher, aggressive, confident guy that goes after you. Now he's a guy that he showed me the things that I want to see. I've seen a million guys, some of you guys, that are just strong and good punches. But now he's shown the things that it takes to be a great fighter or potentially a great fighter. He's not there yet. But where he's doing smart things, he's doing more developed things, uh, more technical things. You know, he's where he can control the outside, where he can counter punch. The punch that dropped Lemieux, for example, in that first round, Ken, that was a beautifully set up, well-placed counter left hook because he gave enough room to Lemieux on the outside to make a mistake. He, he let him reach in with the right hand, and when the opening was there at the right moment, bang, he filled that hole with a counter left hook. That's smart. That's the stuff that is the making of top fighters, to go with the talent, to go with the size, to go with the power, to go with the reach. You have to have that part if you're really going to be considered a top fighter. If you're going to beat the top fighters when you get in there, you have to have that part. And he's starting to show me that part where he throws punches at the right times. He selects the right spot for a punch. Again, he creates a, a, a situation where he can expose his opponent, where he can set a trap, do things. His identity in that first round, or at least part of that first round, was the identity that I've been waiting for him to embrace. I've been waiting for him to really take ownership up. Controlling the outside where you're set, your feet are set, but you're on the outside where you can use that reach, you can use that height, and where you force your opponents to take a risk to get to you. A risk that you don't have to take. Where they have to come in, they have to go, as I always like to say, through a bad neighborhood to get to you. And then you mug them. He was doing, that's the identity I believe he needs. I, he's not there yet. Because there were, Teddy, how are you going to say anything negative about his performance? I'm not negative. I'm saying if he's going to be a great fighter, there were spots where he went into the geography that he can't with top fighters when he has that advantage on the outside, where he went in close where Lemieux, it didn't matter. He's, he was going to beat Lemieux inside, outside, or standing on top of the ropes. He, he was, he was going to beat Lemieux. That's the truth. Like it, don't like it. You know what? I don't care. Uh, go go to the Dodo Bird um, registry and ask them if I care. I don't care. But <laughs> if you're going to beat the top guys, whether it's Canelo, whether it's Bevo, whether it's Better Be, whether it's Joe Smith one day, you know, uh, whether it's Gilberto. Uh, um, Ramirez. Ramirez, who's 43 and 0, and the former 168 pound champ that I talked about earlier. Whatever, you're going to have to have a solid identity and, and stick to it. Be consistent. You're going to have to consistently. 
use your advantages, those physical advantages on the outside. When he did go inside, he got the better of it. He knows how to fight inside. That's a good thing. I'm not knocking him for it. He knows what to do on the inside. I'm just saying with the top fighters, you're going to have to take advantage of what you have an advantage of on the outside and fight that, have that mindset, have that mantra, have that, have that, that, that identity. Uh, when he did go inside with Lemieux, Ken, there were times where Lemieux almost did have su- success, but he was, he was so outgunned, he was so overwhelmed, he was so outclassed that it wasn't going to matter. It wasn't going to matter. But there were spots on the inside where Benavides stood tall, which he has a habit of doing when you get close to him. And when you stand tall, you give a lot of target. Like I used to say, it's, it's like being next to a skyscraper building. Yeah, it's beautiful to see those skyscrapers on the outside, but when you get close to them, there's a lot of windows to break. You, 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 you could chuck a left hook up top and break a window. And there were spots there where Lemieux was looking to nail him up top on the chin with a left hook and came very close on the inside. And that was his only chance. What I'm saying is why give a guy who doesn't have the equipment you have to have a chance by fighting him in the wrong geography, in the wrong place, when you could give him no chance by fighting on the outside. No chance. And Lemieux had that chance. At the end of the day, again, I understand it didn't matter. Uh, but those are the things. That's what I'm here for. That's why the fans come to us. I know some of you just want to hear the good stuff if it's your guy. But I'm giving you... I'm giving you good stuff, and I'm giving you stuff that he can build on. Constructive criticism that he needs to build on if he's going to go into that Hall of Fame place that you guys envision him going, if you're his fan. And, yeah, he he tore him up. He tore Lemieux up inside, outside, everywhere. But if he's going to tear up, the really top, top guys. He's going to have to be consistent with where he does it, how he does it, that identity I speak about. Uh, and that's going to have to be in the area that it was in the beginning of the first round on the outside. Uh, I think that he's going to have to have those things in place to go along with his power, to go along with his attitude, his aggression, his confidence. He's going to have to have those things in place when he goes up to the big boys, when he, when he, when he goes up there, you know. And, and again, I don't want to see Plant. I don't want to see Saunders. I don't want to see any of those guys in that division. I don't need to see that. I just want to see him in with somebody that I, in my opinion, could say, okay, like I did when Beaver was fighting Canelo. Okay. This can be interesting. And by the way, uh, I want Rob to get up to Texas from your from your uh, kids with the baseball, the, 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 the great baseball prodigy, your son who just threw that beautiful game in Little League. I want him to get up those Texas. And if we can make room for one of my little things in between Ken's, Make room for mine where I did say during the uh, show last week when we did a quick preview 
of the Benefitas Lemieux fight, I said, if I correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, but I think I said this fight will end with Benefitas knocking out Lemieux with an uppercut. I'm going to put up a prediction that at the end, there's going to be action, some some action, and then at the end, Benavides is going to finish him with an uppercut because that would be a punch that would make sense in this fight. Lemieux a little shorter. Uh, he, he, likes to, he likes to crouch a little bit. He likes to move his head, bend forward a little bit as he comes to you. I can see the uppercut being the perfect punch the end of night uh, for Benavides. I, I know that he hit him with everything. He hit him with every repertoire punch that he has. So I wasn't exactly, I don't really deserve uh, any real platitudes for that because he hit him with a lot of different punches. But I would argue that the uppercut was the right punch to figure on going into that fight. It did land, it did damage, um, just like the other punches did. I'm, I'm not arguing that. They all landed. But the uppercut, there was a reason to pick that punch because of the style of Lemieux. And the style and the height of Benavides, where Lemieux going to come forward, going to be aggressive. He's going to bend. He's going to lean forward as he's doing it. And he's going to be vulnerable to that punch. And he was. He was vulnerable to that punch. And every other punch on God's earth. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, the only thing he missed him with was a roundhouse kick and a spinning back fist. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the MMA, he would have hit him with that too. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, news just came in. Canelo said this morning, allegedly, according to Twitter, Boxing Twitter says, Canelo's goal right now is to come back down, do the trilogy with Triple G, Go back up, avenge the loss with Bevel, and then come back down and defend all the um, belts. Because I was going to ask you, break down the Benavidez Canelo, but at this point, we're at least a year away from that fight. According to Canelo, and I wouldn't, I have no, nothing to indicate that he's chomping at the bit to get in there with Benavidez. That's like one of those ones that you described earlier. That's all risk. You know, young guy coming up, if Canelo beats him, I don't think he gets the credit he gets for beating a Bevel or even a Triple G. And if he doesn't beat him or he doesn't look good doing it, they're like, oh, the young guy, this is the new this is the new uh, Mexican-American superstar. So I don't think we're getting that anytime soon. Again, if he wants to consolidate all the belts of 168, it goes through Benavides at this point. And I said this before it was easy to as easy to say as it is today. I said this months and months and months and months and months ago. He was the guy who represented the most danger to Canelo. Nobody else. Yep. Nobody yep. else in that division. And, uh, you know, if, again, if Canelo, it's his choice. He's he's the golden goose. You know, he's got the privilege of picking. Uh, he wants to fight Bevo again. I could tell you right now, for me, Bevo wins. Again, because he's got the style, he's got the the goods, uh, mentally, physically, technically, uh, to beat Canelo again. I mean, a lot of he's people. He's got the argue. confidence too. Got the yeah. confidence that he already a lot handled of people him pretty argue easily. But for me, for me, he beats him again, unless unless there was a little talk about trying to about Beaver going down to one sixty eight. I don't think he should do that. He's a light heavyweight. 
you beat him. You didn't put a gun to Canelo's head to make him go to 175. He had done that before. He beat former champions there before with Kovalev, right? Uh, you know, you didn't put a gun to his head. He wanted to go up. He wanted to show his greatness. And I give him credit for that, Canelo. And he went yeah, up. Yeah, that's a good point, Teddy, is that they're going to come out and say, like, oh, you hate Canelo. We love Canelo, the fighter. We love Canelo. He did what he, he, he's taken big challenges. We said that was the most dangerous fight. Better be of or Bivol was the most dangerous fight for Canelo. And credit to him for going up and getting it and, and, and getting making the fight. I don't fight. want to see him at 168. He, yep. he fought him at, his, at the weight that for a reason. Because yep. Bivol's the best light heavyweight in the world. One of the best. Now he... Most people will say maybe he is the best, uh, either him or Better Beef. We'll see what happens with Better Beef and Joe Smith. Don't count Joe Smith out. Better Beef. Hell getting- no, you can't fight. But you can't count Joe Smith out. Anyone who is is crazy. He's yep. getting older, number one, and he's been in a lot of tough fights, amateurs, pros, everything. Joe Smith is one rugged customer and and strong oh, yeah. and good puncher. It's going to be a great fight because he fights the way. Better be of. Better be of, you could say, is a little level above him. Okay, but he fights the same style, the same attitude, uh, the, really, uh, the same way as Better Be of fights with the same goal. I'm going to go break it down and, and get to you. The body, to the head. I'll walk through fire. I'll walk through whatever I got to. I'll walk over glass, whatever. But I'm going to get to you. And so it should be. With, with that description I just gave of both of these guys' mentalities and physical styles, that, you know, it's not getting the exposure or the, the talk that it deserves to get. That should be a hell of a fight. Um, but again, uh, I, I've, you know, Canelo, uh, I, I, I want to see him, you know, uh, let him let him fight. E- even if Canelo fought, uh, I guess that's a choice for him. Actually, now that I'm thinking, I mentioned Gilberto um, Ramirez, right? Uh, I guess as far as fighting, you know, uh, the fights that I with, with the fights that I mentioned earlier, that he could fight Benavides, blah blah blah. But he could fight Canelo too. Uh, you know, Canelo could. Easily, I don't know if he, it's an all-Mexican fight. It definitely would have some appeal to it. Uh, you know, Ramirez, 43-0, and 0, throws a lot of punches. Former 168-pound champion, now 175-pound contender. Uh, that's that's one that could be too, you know. But, uh, you know, we, we know who we want him to fight. We also know who we don't want him to fight because... Uh, it's a waste of time. Yep. Well, I think we covered Benavidez uh, as thoroughly as can possibly be done. Let's talk about the upcoming fight this weekend with um, Cambosos and Devin Haney. This is an awesome fight on paper. I mean, all the belts on the line. Credit to Devin Haney for going down to Australia, fighting in Camboso's hometown, basically. And, you know, Camboso earned the right to host that fight in Australia by beating the great uh, Tiafimo Lopez and taking all the belts. I'm dying for this fight. What are you looking for? What do you like? Sorry, it's June 5th. If I said next week, I meant June 5th, that fight, two weeks. It's an intriguing fight uh, for many reasons. You're going to have something that you don't get too often in boxing. 
you're going to have an outdoor arena. I think it's a rugby arena. They play a lot of rugby over there in uh, down under. But uh, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a a tremendous crowd, a tremendous atmosphere outdoors, as I said. Uh, on you know you get to see it on ESPN, so it's not pay per view. So it's going to draw a lot of fans, and it's for four belts. You know who knows? They're probably creating a belt as we speak, right, Ken? Because they <laughs> they do, they do. I mean, just like if you go down to Canal Street, you know, down in Chinatown in Manhattan, not far from where I live, you go across the boat, uh, the ferry, or you drive over the bridge. You know, you go do a little shopping down there. You know, great place, great place to do some shopping. Um, but you can get a lot of knockoffs. You know, you can you can get those bags that you know cost ten thousand dollars those designer beds you could get them for ten dollars you know <laughs> right i mean you, yeah. you you go to the just don't bring them out in the rain don't bring them out in the rain or the wind or the wind wind and rain <laughs> bad bad uh and so you could go over there you you could uh, and you could get plenty of belts wbc ibf uh i i i i i ibf uh you know wboo wbo um you know, I'd be felonious, uh, we'd be collecting, we'd be asking, whatever. Whatever belt that your heart desires, you can go down there around Canal Street, walk around, you can get it. Uh, so they'll probably come up with another. But really legitimately, Cambosis is one of the unique guys in the business. He's got four belts. Now, of course, Haney has a belt too. They created another. They gave Haney. And Haney, I can't argue. Haney's terrific. But it's supposed to be four belts. So whatever. I don't know. There's whatever it is. So it's going to be an attractive fight for people. And I think it'll be well, well watched. And we're working on getting Haney on the show. You know, he's over there down on this. So we're going to have to work out the logistics and everything else. Uh, his great PR man, uh, Fred is... Sternberg. Uh, yeah, Fred Sternberg, my friend, uh, just a good man uh, and a great PR guy. He is the best in boxing uh, with the PR stuff. Uh, he's trying to get him again. The scheduling is tough because of the time difference over there. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll get him. Uh, we're also going to have Dave Portnoy on pretty soon, as long as I'm talking about uh, things to look forward to coming up. Uh, we're also looking to get Michael Chandler. Uh, you talk about... Uh, he reminds me of Mike Tyson in boxing. You know, he's a guy that uh, he just, he, he goes to get you. You know what I mean? Chandler, yep. if you like offense, if you like explosiveness, if you like a guy willing to take risk to make it exciting, to get to what he wants to get to, you like Chandler. So we're looking to have all those guys come on, come on the show coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, we got we got the uh, our friend and really you talk about the, top human beings and top fighters in MMA, UFC specifically. Uh, you got to put Dustin Poirier's name in there. And we got him coming up on an interview. Uh, so, and you talk about a guy that did it the right way. I mean, there's a guy that earned his way to the top, which a lot of guys do, but uh, there was no... There was no silver spoon uh, attached to him getting to where he got to. Uh, and people love to see that and love the story behind that. But... This fight in Australia, this is how I'm going to break it down. Get me the odds. Haney's the favorite, from what I understand. Now, he's going in the backyard of Cambosis. And so he's got to deal with that. 
But really what matters is who's got the judges. That's what matters. Who controls the judge? No matter where it is, there can be an influence to the geography, no doubt about it. But uh, who, who does the promoter want to win more? Because that's the one who controls the judges. Who does the promoter really want to win more? The promoters, in this case, plural, want to win more. And All right, you ready for the line? Yeah. I got, uh, according to my bookie, check them out, mybookie.ag, use the promo code ATLAS. Uh, I got Haney, minus 175, slight favorite, Cambosos, plus 135. Yeah, that's not slight. That's a little more than slight favorite. favorite. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's a good size favorite. Look, especially when you're fighting a champ with four belts, undefeated, as you are, as Haney is, and you're going to his home country to fight. So that, that, that's my point. I knew he was favored, but that's why I brought it up. Most people think Haney's going to win. There's a reason. I'll tell you why. If there was a boxing book and with a lot of pictures in it, Boxing 101, classic boxing back in the old days of beautiful fans who we love, we miss when we don't talk to you enough over in, across the pond in England. They they were the classical boxers. They looked like a boxer was supposed to look. Straight up, you know, sharp, uh, you know, almost pretty. Like a pretty look to him. That's Haney. Haney's pretty. I'm not, you know, making him feminine or I'm not making him less man. He, but his his finesse his speed his approach his style you know the his look he he's he's pretty to watch you know he throws combinations they're sharp he's a sharpshooter he he uh you know he knows how to control the center of the ring he can use his legs in and out when he has to his defense is responsible he is a pretty boxer he he is a picturesque boxer if, if you wanted to show somebody a picture of what most people envision as a great boxer looking like Haney would would fit the bill he really would so with all that speed finesse confidence he's undefeated everything else even though he's going all the way over <laughs> far away right to, to almost the other side of the planet. I mean, going all the way over to Australia where he's still the favorite. That tells you everything I'm speaking about. It tells you what people, they think he's going to win the fight. And I, I understand it. His speed is going to be something to deal with, with Cambosis. His um, sharpness, his pot-shotting ability is going to be something to deal with Campos. His ability to control the outside a little bit is going to be something to deal with for Gambosis. Let's break it thoroughly down. There's something that people are not bargaining on when they make him minus 175. They make Haney 175 and they make Campos's plus 135. They're not taking into consideration. You know what it is? Ken, it's the fact that, yeah, Haney's faster. Haney's sharper. He's all those things. Cambosis knows how to time you, as he showed against Lopez, where he was a big underdog. He knows how to time you. Timing beats speed. I say it again. Timing beats speed. Timing 
can negate speed. Yeah, yeah. He knows how to throw at the right time where your speed advantage doesn't give you an advantage at that moment. And I'll tell you something else. Haney is a guy that I gave him all these superlatives that he deserves. But he's also a guy, he's not a huge puncher. He's a sharpshooter, but he's not real. He's not a big punch. He hits your combinations. He hits you clean. He definitely can affect you, no doubt about it. And he can cut you up too, but he's not a sharpshooter. I mean, he's a sharpshooter, but he's not a, a TNT hydrogen bomb puncher. But also, as smart as he is, as classical as he is, with all that finesse, all that ability, he gets hit clean almost every fight before the final bell. Not every fight, but in a lot of fights. He gets hit clean before. He'll walk in the rain without getting wet for a while. But then all of a sudden, he'll get wet. And when he does, his umbrella has holes in it. His chin, not that it's a bad chin, he has great heart. Great heart. But his chin is not the rock of Gibraltar. It's not. It's just not. Who do you get, who, who do you get rocked against? Was it was it um, uh, your uh, Gamboa or Linares? One of them hit him with a shot at the end of one of the rounds and had him like had him rocked. Well, he got rocked in a couple of fights, but Linares had him. Linares had him hurt. Um, yeah. Linares had him hurt. Well, look, Linares, people are going to say, but Teddy, he dropped Lomachenko. Yes, okay, gotcha. Right hand, straight right hand, Lomachenko got caught, and then Lomachenko with one arm wound up knocking him out because he had to have shoulder surgery on his right arm after that fight, so he was relegated to basically his left hand, and he wound up stopping Linares, who's a warrior. I like Linares, but he stopped Linares with a left hand to the body, I believe. So, um... Look, we speak facts here, and I'm not afraid to go out on a limb where somebody will shoot it back at me. That's because I am basing it on facts, on my opinion, but also facts. And he doesn't, again, he doesn't have that cast iron chin. You know, his beard, as the old timers would say, his beard can be trimmed a little bit it can be and it has been so when you put those factors in that and you don't just get overcome with the first part of it the speed the finesse you know the skill level the shininess how shiny you know Haney is and he is shiny shiny as hell but when you get down to this guy with four belts fighting in his home country that already pulled off a huge upset that he can he knows how to time you you know he knows how to go the distance he knows how to find a way he knows how to overcome adversity having gotten off the floor late in that fight against lopez you know he he did something that the old time has always drilled into my head and customado drilled into my head he won a title and that usually means they improve the 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 Usually the rule of thumb was the old times would say when a guy wins a title, Teddy, he improves 30%. So if you add that in, and we've seen proof of that, but if you add that in, I'll tell you, 
I see the fight as Haney getting ahead. I'm not going to argue that. I think he's going to know he wants to get out to a good start in a hostile environment, in somebody else's, you know, environment, somebody else's house. And I think I see with his speed, his finesse, his counter, his counter punching, his, his combination punching, I see him getting ahead. But I can also see Cambosis being that guy that knows how to hang around and gets lifted a little. I know you're alone in that ring. It's a solo adventure. That's what makes boxing so great. It's just you, MMA too. It's just you and the other guy, nobody else. No matter where you fight, you're alone in that ring. Unless you have a crooked ref. But we'll, we'll put that aside for a minute. And <laughs> so you're alone in that, ref, in that ring. And, but I could see him being lifted by and buoyed a little bit outdoors with the roar of that crowd, with the roar of that crowd. A little bit like his countryman John Horn was when he fought the great Manny Jeff Pacquiao. Horn. Jeff Horn, I'm sorry. The great Jeff, well, the great Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn, I did that fight. That's part of the reason why. And I'm proud of it. I'm here with you. I'm not going to say it the wrong way like I did once before. <laughs> That's why I, I've been uplifted. That's why I've been upgraded. Upgraded <laughs> to the position of doing a podcast that has passed 254,000 subscribers. We're proud of you. We're grateful. A podcast with Ken Rideout. Okay, I got it the way I wanted to get it. Got it the right <laughs> way. So, but that's part of the reason why, you know, through my choice, my choice, that I'm here. And because I, in that fight, Jeff Horn did not win that fight. They, he didn't win. He fought gamely, courageously, which I said and I noted, but he didn't win that fight. Pacquiao should have won that fight. But he had some things against him. You know, the people that control that part of boxing, the judging, you know, the administrative part of it, the, the, you know, the ugly part of it. You know, the beautiful part is what the fighters do in the ring. How they behave, how they find those, how they find light in darkness, how they do that. that that's beautiful. But the ugly part is what the promoters in cahoots with the judges can do. And because they want to make money. And there's different reasons to make money. Everyone said, well, Pacquiao would make more. No, not necessarily so. When you have a situation where the promoter, in this case, of course, Aram attached to ESPN, right, with the network, when when he's got the situation, he's got, you know, he controls the fighters, both fighters, because in order to get that fight with Pacquiao, you obviously have to give over options if you have Horn to be able to fight the guy, the big guy, your moment, your, your chance. You have to give options for three fights, whatever it is, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The, the idea is there, understood. So, and then you got a Wiley, and that's being very polite, but Wiley's pretty, pretty polite, a uh, guy like Hiram that, has a legendary fighter like Pacquiao who's getting long in the tooth a little bit and has a quote of X amount of millions of dollars that you have to pay him 
And Aram no longer wants to pay him that. So what do you do? There's a lot of things there. I'm not saying a, I, for fact anything, but uh, there's a lot of things that could happen. You know, uh, am I am I there? I, uh, you know, I know enough about it that what scenarios are very plausible. Let's put it in a nice way. Very plausible. So you you have a guy that suddenly you you're not in love with as much as you used to be. He's outlived his worth, his usefulness to a certain extent. Uh, even though Pacquiao proved everyone wrong, he went on uh, beyond that after that loss that was given to him. He he went way beyond that. But you got a guy who's gonna sell out a outdoor stadium that the people are gonna come. Great fans in Australia, right? Great fans, great sports fans. You know, great sports fans, and they're gonna and and great fight fans, great rugby fans, and they're gonna come out, and they're gonna support this guy in that area, and so you make a deal with his people, right? And you know, you, you so now you have both fighters, and you make a deal. And you make sure that somehow, maybe, I don't know, maybe by accident, you get maybe some judges that maybe will will go with the exuberance of the crowd, with with the with the oh, just watching the an underdog hang in there with a legend, you know, uh, everything that goes with that moment. You, you get the right things in place, right? The right judges, the right things in place. And Pacquiao doesn't know what hit him. It's not a left hook. It's not a right hand. It's not a jab. It's not a body shot. It's all of a sudden, and new welterweight champion of the world, Jeff Horn. And that happened. Did it happen exactly that way? That's just my my possible scenario possible i don't know do i have proof i might have some but do i have ironclad proof no but and then what happens you you have a title defense with your new title over there where you know you're going to sell out the outdoor room with with a local guy with a where you give him you give him his one gift Right for winning, where you can make a payday, uh, and they could do it, bringing their own music, where you don't have to fight a monster, and you get a payday over there, and you, you know, you celebrate the new champion, the local champion, and then what do you do? Well, guys like Aram, they always have the next guy up, right? The next guy in the batter's box, the next guy in the ballpen, the next guy at this case was Terence Crawford. He was going to be the next superstar. What do you do? You let him have that fight, Jeff Horn, and then his next title defense, you got it, against the new man, the new big guy in the stable, the powerful stable of Bob Arum. You, you, you put him in with him, and now you pass the baton from Manny Pacquiao to a good guy, to a guy that you have a better relationship with at the time, didn't turn out that way, but it took a few <laughs> took a few years 
because <laughs> things go a little quicker with Mr. Aram sometimes, you know, but it takes a few years. Doesn't happen right away. And so you you do your business and now you hand it over, you hand the keys to the car, to the throne, to Crawford, who doesn't need anything handed. He's a great fighter. He, he's that good. But you get him the title. And now you got your replacement for the aging Pacquiao who was asking for too much money. Now, now you, now you, you know, now you have, you have your new guy in place. Well, you got to, if that happened once, you got to think about it over here. But this would, this, again, I think the promoters in this case are, the most important, they, they're going to have control over the judges, whoever it is they want to win the most. Uh, and you're going to have to do it in the ring. I mean, Jeff Horn did have to survive the ninth round where he almost got knocked out. I called the fight there where he almost got knocked out. He had to survive that. Um, you know, he had to throw punches. He had to be game. So all those things have to happen. And at the end of the day, you know, the scenario that you could have that I'm describing is that a lot of different things can happen. I, I put all the plausible possibilities out there in breaking this fight down for the amateur guys out there that, that are not familiar with the sport, the, the seasoned veteran fans that we love, that, that are also, and we love the other ones too, the ones that are just coming on board, the ones that just love the sport, want to love the sport, want to learn more about the sport. I'm just putting out all the scenarios. and But I'll finish with this one but. Here's the last but. Cambosis doesn't need as much help as Jeff Horn needed. And I don't care if some fans get upset. So what? You can only, you can only exile me from that country once. You know, <laughs> you can only do it once, you know, because they, the promoter did come out and said that he was talking to the, the, uh, the, the head of, uh, the, the head of, um, what do you call it? When, uh, when you Commission? travel. Yeah. When you uh, tra the travel authority. Yeah. The, head, uh, uh, immigration. The, uh, border, border patrol. Yeah. Border patrol, whatever. And he was, uh, that he went to border patrol and he said, we do not want Teddy Atlas allowed into this country. You cannot have a dissenting opinion. You cannot differ with our worldview. Sound familiar? Uh, Truth and Recon Reconciliation Board. Yeah. You yeah. can't have an opinion that goes against the, the establishment. God forbid. You know, I was supposedly on a no-fly list, no-entry list, <laughs> uh, to go to Australia. But you know what I got to say? The fans... Oh, my goodness. And they came, and even some of the reporters, I got to tell you, they came back and they were like, Teddy, you could come here anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't give a crap. With it. Especially after Horn got knocked out <laughs> by, uh, you know, he, he did get knocked out by Crawford, of course, which, which anybody could have saw coming, as I just described. But the big difference here, Ken, and I want to make this very clear, is that Cambosis doesn't need as much help as Horn needed because Cambosis is a much better fighter. I'll say it again. He's not a better fighter than Horn. He's a much better fighter, much better level than Horn. He really is. And um, 
So at the end of the day, I can see Haney ahead in a fight, and I can see Cambosis coming on late. And maybe tugging on that beard that has been tugged on a couple times of Haney, maybe late in a fight and making it very interesting. You know, I, I, I understand favoring Haney, I guess is what I'm saying, but I can see the scenario where the underdog, the home underdog that has already beaten an unbeaten fighter, already beaten a guy that everybody, you know, favored and loved, I could see Cambosis once again surprising people in that way. Being that he's uh, minus one seventy five, or, or the other guy's minus one seventy five, and he's plus, you get back one thirty five. Yep. All right, Teddy. We got one more coming up this weekend for the fans. Tank Davis fighting Raleigh Romero. I think they were supposed to fight before, and it might have been canceled. I think Romero had some like legal legal issues. Um, never a good sign. But uh, I know that this is this one's getting. These guys have a lot of bad blood between them. They really seem to hate each other. So just for that alone, I'm looking forward to it. But on the surface, I don't know. I'm dying to get your take. But from the on the surface, to me, it looks like just another victim for Tank to blast out of the ring what am i missing does roly have a chance in hell of making any noise with tank romero's not really undefeated he's 13 and 1 he's not 14 and all i know he's 14 and all but he should be 13 and 1 because of marinas and that's the name i want to know if i was pronounced it three fights ago romero lost to ramirez in a 12 round fight and, and and i watched the fight if i didn't watch it i couldn't i i couldn't speculate to say that but i watched it and i think i know what i'm watching and uh just like I watch Canelo and Bevo, and there's no way that... <laughs> well, that you're, talking Canelo, about, you're talking about Jackson Marinas? Yeah, Jackson Marinas. So I said his yep. name right. So Jackson yep. Marinas, thank God for your parents sending you to finishing school. Thank God <laughs> that you pronounce words <laughs> better than Finishing school I, at the Billerica uh, House uh, of Correction. Uh, uh, there, uh, uh, there, he worked there, by the way. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't live there. All right, now I watched that fight live when it happened and they August built up 2020 the, the commentators everybody yes three fights ago for uh for romero that's a, on his that's on his exactly action. right yep and they the commentators built him to to the high heavens uh built up romero uh, that and he was signed with floyd mayweather and he was a real good amateur he had 140 amateur fights he was uh, he was they were building him up like he was a pro like it was uh he was the next great prospect and and beyond prospect he was going to be the next great sensation if you will and i'm not exaggerating it i mean that's the way they built him up and the fanfare that they gave him this poor kid who was also undefeated this poor kid from the dominican republic uh uh jackson marinas i mean he was he was like he was hardly you hardly knew he was in the ring i mean you know this poor guy was not only fighting came in him, came in at 19 and old Teddy. yeah undefeated fighter but you wouldn't know it you wouldn't know it by the attention he was given or wasn't given you you'd have no idea like it was supposed to be a foregone conclusion uh that marinas was gonna win and you know what it was it was because you know what People don't like this. People do love it. Some love me for it. Some some get crazy, especially people that get crazy because 
I'm exposing them. Uh, they don't love it. But the scorecards were made up before the fight started. They were. <laughs> they were. I mean, there's no other way to explain it. Because that fight, Romero was built up as this, like I said, this, they were anointing him the next great fighter already. And he had, he had mostly knockouts. You know, most of his fights were not. I think at that point, he knocked everyone out but one guy. And so at that point, he was probably 13-0 with 12 knockouts, whatever. Now he's 14-0 uh, with 12 knockouts, uh, I, I believe, or whatever. He was, he, uh, when he fought Marinas, he was 12-0 with uh, 10 knockouts. All right. So he, he goes in there. And he read his own press clippings, the kid. Because from the first belt to the last belt, he was just throwing haymakers. Loading up, bombing away, and trying to live up to, you know, to what people were saying. That, that he's a great puncher, he's a great prospect, he's the next great fighter, and that he's going to knock this guy silly. Matter of fact, he was quoted, he's, a, he's brash. He's brave, he's confident, whatever. He's brash. He said, I am going to show you the most devastating knockout you people have ever seen. Well, he didn't show that. He didn't show that. He's, he's talking the same way against Tank. He said he's going to beat the brakes off Tank for 12 rounds or whatever. Like crazy Well, he better talk. have improved because I tell you, he, <laughs> he went in and uh, he is a good puncher. I will give him that. He is physically yeah. strong and he's a good puncher. He went in there from the opening bell, as I said, Ken, Throwing haymakers, throwing bombs away. But that's not what great fighters do. But anyway, he was thrown not against real good fighters. You could do it against, you know, hand-picked guys. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get all those knockouts. <laughs> but he was doing it against a guy who was better than he realized he was. And he was throwing all these bombs all night. And what was Marina's doing? He was sticking that long jab in his face early on. All night. And then down the stretch, down the stretch, Marina started doing something else. Besides sticking the long jab in his face, he started counterpunching the crap out of Romero. Started really boxing his freaking his ears off. As the old timers would say, <laughs> he he was he was hitting them with counters. He was in and out. He was beating them to the punch, timing them, and then the jab was still there after all that. He won that fight. Not only did he get not get it, the reason I say that the scorecards were made up ahead of time, which is disgusting in this business, but it happens. But it's deplorable every time you see it. They had him up by like. 10 rounds, 8 rounds, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so 9 crooked. rounds, 7 rounds, six, whatever the freak. I think one scorecard was a little close and the other and one was like 118 to, you know, whatever that I got, I got them for you here. You want the scores? Yes, please. I have uh Roly Romero 116, 112, 118, 110 and 115-113. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> They had to, the way reading those scorecards, you wouldn't even think the other kid landed a punch. Yeah, well, he landed quite a few. But, you know, as the, they do, I don't know how many old-timers we have, but as they do, they sometimes turn fighters that they don't want to win, that the promoter don't want to win, they turn them into Claude, Claude Rains. 
Rob, put up Claude Rains, will you, when you get a chance? <laughs> put up Claude Rains for the people that don't go back that far with um, great TV classics and movie classics. He was the original Invisible Man back in the, I don't know what year, Ken, 1940s, 30s, whatever. But he was the original Invisible Man, Claude Rains. Well, these... 1933, the Invisible Man. There it is. There it is. You learn a lot here. Listen, we get you ready for everything you need to know in the sport of boxing, the sport of MMA, and if you want to become a contestant on Jeopardy. We get you ready <laughs> for everything. So they used to turn... They still do. They turn fighters into Claude Rains when they want. So they turn Mar uh, Marinas into Claude Rains. So really, he's already lost the fight. Here's why I'm picking. He's a good puncher. There it is, the Invisible Man. Thank you, Rob. There he is, the first. You, you gotta love. You gotta love the special effects from '33. We need an Invisible Man. All right, just wrap him in bandages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, like like the original King Kong. You ever yeah. see the, 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 the? It's like a rectus set. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It's, it's like it's like you you took a you took a model, you took a little you know model of an Empire State Building or of any building, and you glued yeah. it together, right? And then you took a little figurine of, of King Kong, and and you and you put it on top of the you put, you put it on top of the the, the model, uh, the the yeah. building that you just glued together. And then you get a camera and you film it, you know. And uh, we've come a long way in the the magic of the television industry. We've come a long way, uh, obviously. So I'm picking Tank Davis. I know that Romero's a good puncher, and I know he's undefeated. You know, supposedly. Oh, right? you want the line? You want the line? Yeah, I'm sure Minus. Tank's got to be a favorite. <laughs> favorite minus minus 1000 plus 500 on Rolly. man they guys these guys you could drive a truck through that line minus a thousand plus 500 I, i'll say this i'm always i always tell you what i really believe in i'm not swayed by any whatever you want to call it any likes or dislikes about a person or about this or preconceived idea i go by what i believe but what my eyes tell me what my judgment tells me that doesn't belong that high because Romero, can, he was a good amateur. He's undefeated. He hasn't learned how to lose, and he's a good puncher. So it doesn't belong that high. I like, I do like Davis to win by knockout, and I'm going to tell you why. The main reason, Romero's a good puncher. Davis is a great puncher. Rom, Romero knows how to box. Davis doesn't get enough credit for how good a boxer he is and how versatile and well-rounded he is as a fighter. He can fight inside, and he's a southpaw. That could be a problem, too. But he, he can fight inside. He can fight outside. He can counterpunch, and he can go freaking get you. And he can go to the body as well as the head. This, this guy, again, he's, a, he's become a really solid all-around fighter. He made Teddy Atlas's pound-for-pound ESPN list. He didn't make it overnight. He didn't make it quick. He just recently made it uh, with his last couple of performances. Uh, he's on the top 10. He's that, for me, he belongs there. For me, he's more than just what he was 
celebrated as before. Just a good puncher. No, no. He, he's, he's a complete package. But Romero can box. He's got abilities too and everything else. Um, like Costamato would say, my mentor again. Teddy, if you had 140 amateur fights, you better freaking know how to box a little bit. Are you kidding me? After that many fights? I mean, you better have learned something. Otherwise, you should go on the corner and sell Italian ISIS. You know? So, yeah, he should know how to box a little bit. And yeah, he does. But here's the key and why I'm putting my money on Tank Davis. The experience. He Tank's fought real guys. For me... Romero only fought one real guy and he lost. And maybe he improved a lot from that loss. Maybe. If he's honest with himself and his people around him with the right kind of teachers and developers developers of young talent, maybe he has. Because those are the kind of fights do improve you, that you need to improve. But Tank Davis has the big edge as far as the quality of fighters he's fought. I don't care how many fighters you knocked out, how how uh, how many wins you have. I care about who they're against. Davis is against better guys. What does that mean? That means that Davis got questions asked and answered with these fights, being in with that kind of quality opposition that that could teach him that, could bring him to those places to learn that to get the answers to those questions. I'm saying Romero has not gotten the answer to all his questions. He has more questions than answers in his career still, Romero. And that's solely the main reason why I'm picking there. Yeah, the talent, everything I already described, but because Davis has been in there with better guys and knows he belongs. He's got answers to questions that all fighters have. He he knows he belongs. He knows he can depend on himself. And I don't think Romero completely knows that yet. He might learn. He might learn in this fight. But he doesn't know going in yet. And that's something that he's got to learn. Everyone has to learn. And maybe he gets, maybe he gets lucky. I never use that word in boxing because not too many people get lucky. It's because of their talent. It's because of something that they did right under pressure and in extreme conditions of, of a boxing ring. So I give him credit for doing it. But maybe he lands a punch and he that we don't expect and Tank doesn't expect. Okay, it's always possible when you got a guy who truly can punch. But because of what I just said, the difference in the level of opposition... I know more about Tank Davis than I know about Romero. And I'm going with that knowledge. And I'm taking Tank Davis. Go to my bookie. As long as it's not, you know, just don't be spending the the food money or the rent money. Please, please, don't be a dodo bird. I think that was one of our lessons here today. You don't want to be a dodo bird. What do we take away today from here? Well, uh, today told us don't be a dodo bird. So don't go and bet if you can't afford to bet it. But if you can, my money and my bookie is on Mr. Tank Davis. Somewhere along the line, he sets up a knockout. See, I use that word sets up. He just doesn't go in there winging the way 
I saw Romero do against Marinas and missing and getting schooled. But I think that Tank Davis has the goods to set up a win and set up a knockout. And I'll finish with this. I try to be the advocate for fighters, for whatever I think needs to be better in this sport. And I already used this moment for this, and I'll finish with this. Marinas, you got robbed. You got terribly mistreated by the business side of this sport, of this business. And for what it's worth, I know everyone listens to the show. I know all the people that, that are in the administrative business, whether it's Vegas, New York, whether it's wherever, uh, all, all the organizations, the alphabet organizations that, you know, you could go get their belts down in, down on Canal Street in, in Chinatown that I talked about. All of them, uh, the commentators that do all the networks, the promoters, they listen. I already know that. We know that. They listen to the show. And sometimes their greatest fear and their greatest wish is that their name doesn't get, <laughs> doesn't get mentioned on this show. Sometimes they like when it's mentioned because if they do good, good stuff gets mentioned. Yeah, we don't only pick out the bad. But if they do bad, yeah, they're getting mentioned. They're getting mentioned. So with all of that, I just wish that somebody could do the right thing. And then we'll mention that too. <laughs> could rectify, take it away, tearing away that kid Marinas, tearing away his opportunity when he went in the ring, took the risk of fighting an undefeated fighter, as he was, who could punch, who was a top amateur, who was being who promoted by the you know Floyd Mayweather, who was obviously the powers that be wanted him to win, the network, everybody else, and they did like a kung fu movie, where the kung fu artist just puts his fist right through the guy's chest and pulls his heart out. They did that. They pulled his heart right out because that kid. It broke my heart to watch him after that decision, that he was looking for somebody. He was just looking for somebody to be an ally, to, to, to go to and say, uh, how did they do that? Why did they do that to me? I did this for my family. I've been working my whole life to, to have this chance, and I was ready, and, and I did what I was supposed to do. How, how, how do they do that? How do they? Well, you have an ally in me and Ken. You do. You do. You have an ally for what it's worth, and I hope somebody takes note of what we just said. Yep. Couldn't have said it better. And with that, guys, that's a wrap on this week. Stay tuned next week, next Monday, uh, Memorial Day weekend with special guest Dustin Poirier, the Diamond, gives a great interview. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. And with that, we'll be back the following week to break down all the action from this um, from the Tank Davis fight as well as the Haney Cambosis fight. So everyone have a safe and happy long weekend next weekend happy labor day memorial day whichever one it is i always get them confused and um teddy thanks for doing this great to see you as always uh, great to see you again ken tell your beautiful family hello uh tell your tell your son congratulations on that pitching performance get his whatever you were talking about 
Rob, please get those uh, tweets or whatever they were, those text messages uh, from from Mr. for the young Mr. Rideout. Get them up. He deserves his moment. His father gets plenty of moments. He <laughs> deserves. He deserves yes. a little sunshine. Yes. And with that, guys, thanks for being with us. Please like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. We appreciate you. Have a great long weekend, everybody.